You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. I never travel slower than warp nine. Alan Seiler. This guy gets it. Hold on to your butts. And Veronica Dashel. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree. Uh, Absolutely adorable. Yep. And we're back talking about Star Trek. Amazing. Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) Right. So do we have any Star Trek news this week? We do. Hey, this is super interesting. A copy of the very first Star Trek comic book, which was published in 1967 by Gold Key, Mm. sold at auction for forty six thousand dollars. Wow. Actually, it's forty six, forty six and a half thousand. The last time a copy of the first issue was sold was in 2019 and it sold for 20 and a half. So it has more than doubled mm. from wow. three years ago. Now, the copy that sold this week was in near mint condition and it had a rating of 9.6, mm. which is as about as close to perfect as you can get for a for any comic book from the early 60s. Well, yeah. mid 60s. <laughs> So yeah. that's amazing. I wish yeah. I had bought a copy that I still had so I could sell it for $46,000. Right. I, I was going to say, I can't believe we were outbid. <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked they didn't take my $20 bid. <laughs> it went down to the wire. Right? I, I remember my dad told me he sold his first edition Spider-Man comic for $1,000 in like the early 80s mm, yeah. to buy a computer. Wow. <laughs> you get a nicer computer for that now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, one other thing is there's a company called Rock Love, which is a jewelry company. They have a Star Trek line of jewelry, but they're adding a new line to their Star Trek collection. And this is a, a line of Star Trek Delta jewelry in each of the three primary division colors. So the line includes a necklace, a ring, and a pair of earrings. Each one is a gold delta, and it's fitted with a blue, red, or yellow gemstone. Hmm. And their existing line is really cool. They have some uh, Vulcan-inspired things and some Uhura-inspired things and and really, really nice stuff. And uh, they're adding this new line to it. It's a bit pricey. It ranges from like 85 to 120 bucks. So spend wisely. Yeah, that's not bad for jewelry as jewelry I mean, goes. For, you know, 85 100 bucks. Yeah, 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 not for something of that quality. It looks really yeah. nice. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. You don't want to so, cheap yeah. out with that anyway for a gift, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like the jewelry that I see that's fan made that's like 20 30. dollars <laughs> Right, right. That's just me. Right. <laughs> and that wraps up the news for the week. All right. And Keith, I know we've got some This Week in Trek this week. 
Yeah, I got a couple of them here. First off, there was a couple of the classic episodes I wanted to look at that are just really cool that aired during this week. Uh, one of the first one, one of my favorites, November 13th, 1995, was the DS9 episode Little Green Men. Aired oh, for the first yes. time. That is a great Every, episode. Everybody who's a regular listener knows how much we all love that episode. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. It is so funny. And, and it's one of those you could spend you spend forever doing quotes. But one of the ones that I absolutely love is when Nog, who had that crazy book, says that humans didn't even have currency until 5000 years ago. And then um, Quark says there are primitive backward people, Nog, pity them. Right. <laughs> but yeah. then Nog goes on to point out that it took them twice as long to get to the same point we got. And then the Ferengi still had to buy warp technology, which I <laughs> thought was, was kind of funny. It's yeah. a great show full of one liners. Uh, and I think what makes it even funnier is that the literally cigar chomping hard, but <laughs> general dinning is played by one Alan Napier. Mm-hmm. playing so against type because he was Adam in The Way to Eden in the original series. You can't yep. get more different than that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This has got to be Elaine or Matt. And they say, I look forward to watching Little Green Men whenever we get there. Mm. <laughs> One of I was going to say Elaine. Highlights. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great app. Yeah, uh, another... Another classic that aired in November 15th, 1968. Another one of my favorites, The Tholian Web. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, inter- inter- you know, the original series has introduced so many great races. The introduction of the Tholians. Also, I'm sure one of you guys knows this. The voice of Loskim, the head mm-hmm. Tholian, was voiced by... Barbara Babcock. That's it. Yep. Who, <laughs> <laughs> who also played... I forget, what was her name in A Taste of Armageddon? Oh, something with a number in it. Um, yes, I, I forget. I should have looked that up. I forget too. She also was in Plato's Stepchildren. Yeah. And she also voiced the voice of Trelane's mother mm. in The Squire of Gothos. So she was used in the show quite a bit. Yeah. Um, one more. This is the, uh, replete with good ones. November 17th, 1967 was the debut of Journey to Babel. Oh, wow. Yeah, another, I know, right? This is a hell of a week riches. for Star Trek. This is a great day for episodes. A great week for episodes. <laughs> yes. One if of DC make, fun. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say if you're gonna make a Star Trek episode, release it this week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Written by DC Fontana, the introduction of Spock's parents, Sarek and Amanda. Mm-hmm. First major role for the Andorians. And I had put yep. in my notes, and where did the Andorians go after that? Yeah. We didn't yeah, see him Enterprise. Again. Exactly. Where they <laughs> right. did really well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely classic show. Some of the best acting of all the Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And last thing I got is one birthday of note. November 13th, 1967, one Whoopi Goldberg was born. Really? Hey, nice. Right. Guinan. Yeah. Uh, one of the facts I find so interesting, uh, she was inspired by Nichelle Nichols growing up, but some may not know. I, well, most fans may know. She approached the Star Trek people and asked for mm-hmm. a role. They were kind of like, wait, you're Whoopi Goldberg. You know, seriously, <laughs> you, you can't possibly want to be on this TV show. And what yeah, do we right. do with you? And classic character. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, that's this weekend in track history. Excellent. Well, if you're listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break right here and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll be getting into our discussion topics. So stay right there. Hey everyone, this is Carrie from the Metal Geeks Podcast. 
Thanks for geeking out with us for the past 10 years. Yes, I said that 10 years that we've been doing this, talking about video games and metal and TV and movies and comic books and scene parks and all that other cool stuff. Check us out on our website at metalgeeks.net and on all the socials at Metal Geeks. We are proud members of the ESO Network. Keep it geeky and keep it metal. Yeah, this week, for no reason whatsoever, we decided to talk about the Zindi. Yeah. And uh, fortuitously, but uh, we're not going to get too far into the weeds on the story arc because yeah. we're, that that's sort of a separate conversation. Really, it's I want to talk about the Zindi because I think they were fascinating as a species who I mean are a collection of species where you've got multiple species coming from the same planet and coexisting um, mm. and at times not coexisting very well. <laughs> and right. Yeah. And I was thinking about it this week, and there's a lot of other races or a lot of other planets in Star Trek that have multiple species, but I think the Zindi are the ones that sort of leap to everybody's mind. And Veronica, I know that you were not as familiar with them, so we we had a little Zindi primer this week. Yeah, uh, Zindi so primate, is, right? <laughs> so what is your Zindi prime of the Zindi? So I, I, as we were watching the episode, I was like, oh, hey, I remember watching this actually. I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't put together this is the zindi and there's the whole Zin big zindi thing uh -huh. um i it's pretty fascinating to see that many different species yeah. working together it's it's mm -hmm. like all the homo whatever species if we had all ended up surviving mm -hmm. exactly. and and if like the dinosaurs learn to talk <laughs> they did yeah yeah <laughs> They did. Right. They, they did. They're on Voyager. Yeah, That's true. That is true. <laughs> right. They the left. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one thing I thought of too. Was um, and I'm sort of jumping ahead here, but Earth isn't that dissimilar from Zindus in that you've got right. the Voth. And we uh -huh. and something that was hinted at on in the Star Trek movies, and then on Next Gen, and then now made explicit on Lower Decks is that you know, um, Christ, um, you know, species like uh, whales and dolphins are sentient. Yeah. And I mean, on lower decks, they're having conversations with them. They're serving on ships. There's, you know, there's mm -hmm. on Star Trek Four. A probe comes to Earth to talk to humpback whales. That Earth actually has multiple uh, sentient species as well. Yeah, uh, good point, Charles. And also, it is becoming increasingly a conversation about octopi. Mm, and that's right. Whether they have some kind of different sentience because they are so weird compared to other animals. There's something going right. on there. Right. Octopuses. Octopuses. Yes. Is that is that true? Yes. Well, I, I heard also octopi. thought it was. It octopi. Is, it is, no, it's not a word that derives from Latin, so it's not octopi. Interesting. Well, people use it all the time. We're gonna have well, a nerd off. More. That, that's that's really <laughs> tapered off. But look, this what an educational show this is. Right. You don't know what you're gonna get. Listen, okay, you might learn something. Y'all know I'm gonna be googling octopi versus octopuses while we're talking. So the person we won't hear, we won't hear from Keith for a few minutes. <laughs> right. I also want to note that octopuses with the eight tentacles does not sound right. I'm just saying. What? What? No. You like octopi? Never mind. Let's keep going. Okay. Okay. Because we don't know what you said. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, you know. oh, oh! I think I kind of got it, but there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. But, but I agree. <laughs> I agree with what you guys are saying because we on Earth, on Earth in real life, we always just think of ourselves. We're we're Cro-Magnon, but you had 
at least two right there with the Cro-Magnon and the Neanderthals. And now we are increasingly finding skeletons. There's a whole little race that called the basic, what are they called? They're called Hobbit people from, right, um, the, I think, the Australia area. I forget the name. Yeah, is that the Denovosans or the Denovosans yes. is another one? I but think that's the one. Yeah, there's more and more that they keep finding. And they keep I have finding. I have not heard I've not heard of any of this. There's like 30 yeah. or 40 or something documented, like um, pre-human species. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we share DNA with a lot of them because humans being humans, we all sort of did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, we don't know if they were killed off or we all just made it until there was just one species left or what. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, when, with the Zindi, I mean, the, my first thought watching the Zindi is that the, the humanoids and the arboreals are mm. very much sort of like humans and something that could be yeah. a close a close relative of humans here on earth right 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 yeah and so, then you've got the the, uh, the aquatics which are sort of like the beluga whales um yeah less horny than the beluga whales on lower decks and then you know you got the the insectoids i mean you've got on star trek you've got the voth which evolved mm-hmm. on earth and left i mean we could very easily have ended up like zendus instead of just this human dominated planet for so many years on star trek very mm-hmm. true yeah. It's interesting, though, that that all six of the Zindi, because there are six, remember, right, because you have the five that we saw on screen, but you also had the Aryans mm-hmm. who had been destroyed in the Zindi uh, civil war, basically. Right. Um, and I, I, I wish we had been able to see them on screen in some way. Uh, I love the way that they talked about the Aryans, like in almost mythic uh, mm. proportions. I think where, it's avians, avians instead of Aryans. Oh, oh, Aryans. That's Aryans does sound kind of white nationalist. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that correction because, yes, aliens. Let's go with that. (laughs) Let's do that. How about that? I'm just going to call them bird people. Okay. Okay. But how they talked about them, like, you know, I remember when my grandfather was young and he would describe, you know, an Aryan flock would take off and would blot out the sun. And I was like, I want to see that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, when the Zindi were introduced, I thought it was just, I mean, I, and I've said before, I wasn't the biggest fan of enterprise and still am not, but I think that the Zindi, um, I think the concept is really cool. And I think it was executed as well that yeah. you've got this sort of weird planet. I mean, maybe it's weird, maybe it's not, but you've got these several sentient species coming from the same planet and they, they learn to coexist to a certain extent, at least enough to get into space. And then, you know, they don't always get along and there's different, you know, different factions amongst them. But I think mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting that, uh, and something that's uh, in accordance, I think with something realistic here on our own planet is that there could have been multiple species, you know? Yeah. And, and they, they at least hint that they are genetically related to each other. It's not like it's mm-hmm. six separate entities. It's right. A It's, it's a collective. It's a relation of six off like offshoots i guess and and they say that in in dialogue but they also show it by like they have the same little ridge Mm. like all six of them have this like little like so they all have that 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 shared physical resemblance Mm -hmm. so matt awarded me a point for octopuses but then he took my point away because (laughs) we're keeping score now all right matt (laughs) matt's 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 the scorekeeper (laughs) (laughs) man i liked it did what you just did so cool (laughs) Uh, so veronica which one did you was more most interesting to you what was your favorite that you've seen so far she's only seen a couple of zindi episodes Mm -hmm. 
So the bug people look really creepy. Yeah. The insectoids. Yeah. And they really liked using the, it was like a, a, a five-year-old kid learning to use CGI for the first time. And they put CGI on everything. There was a lot of weird CGI in that two-parter we were watching. It was, <laughs> like there's, it was, there's these long shots of Malcolm and, and Trip, and it's like Sims characters walking around. Sims characters look better. Right. Um, but as far as the aliens, though, I thought that, so the insectoids the are cool. They, they look cool. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I feel like they're going to be the ba- the um, extra bad guys of the all this indie. Mm. Keep watching. Uh, <laughs> right. I like the the reptiles and I like a uh, rep, rep reptiloids. What do they call them? Reptilians. And, uh, reptilians. reptilians. And I like the, I thought the, um, the arboreals, I thought they were really cool. Yeah. They look yeah. like a, something that could be a close human ancestor or a close human relation on earth. Yes. You know? Okay. Like so, right. Exactly. At the risk of, uh, Veronica, I apologize for this. At the risk of spoiling Veronica, I want to say that it would have been uh, the whole concept of the Zindi is super fascinating to me. I mm-hmm. think it would have been a lot more interesting had they had. I mean, obviously, when you have a human crew, they are going to be naturally drawn to the human looking aliens, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a familiarity there. It would have been right. so cool if they had been the evil ones. And I shouldn't say evil the the mm-hmm. combative ones right. and the actual ones that were interested in um cooperating would be the lizards and the insects mm-hmm. of course you can't do that because the the bugs are a hundred percent cgi and that cost right. a hell of a lot when they were doing enterprise and the bugs were such a heavy <laughs> prosthetic makeup you mm-hmm. couldn't do that on a regular basis mm-hmm. right you know so it had you had to pretty much go with the 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 people and the sloths right the ones that relate to our crew that's Mm. actually been um that's actually been a sci-fi pet peeve of mine for years because um there's an assumption that because a lot of humans are for a lot of reasons are really uh viscerally scared of snakes and reptiles that almost every alien reptilian race that's ever been introduced has been bad Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. The Gorn and, and so many others I can think of. And there's no real logic in that because yeah. look at what we do. We, we, we kill like nobody's business. And <laughs> yet, yeah, we're right. You're always betray the reptilian species as evil and the insectoids, sometimes the same thing. They're so right. utterly mm-hmm. alien to us. And it'd be interesting if they would just exactly. be more sophisticated. There's been a couple of times where it hasn't been quite like that in the, in the Ender's game books. The, mm-hmm. You find out that the reptilian species is not any worse than we are necessarily. Uh, the buggers. Um, yeah, the buggers. The buggers like, yeah. Insectoid. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. That's always been a thing of mine. Uh, the race that I really like because it's so intriguing to me is the aquatics. Because yeah. Yes, me too. They t- they're spaceships. I don't know if you saw their spaceships, Veronica. The spaceships are just so beautiful. They're like works of art as well as ships. And I'm really trying to figure out how you fill a electronic electrical ship with water <laughs> well maybe they have a different power source but the thing uh, is yeah. the ships are gorgeous but they're yes. huge yes i right. mean yes. they're like the size of oceans because you've mm. got these big whale creatures swimming around in it and a whole crew of them so i mean they're just massive yeah, yeah. i love uh, it 
And one thing about the aquatics, because as you were saying, they they all have traits. I believe, if I remember correctly, the aquatics' main trait was they take a really, really, really long time to make decisions about things. They were the patient ones. Yeah, to do anything. Yeah. But but to make decisions, yes, because they weigh everything. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting, too, because you have these different offshoot species that all have a different concept of time and a different concept of the way that they relate to each other. I think it's... It was a really well done concept, I thought. Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, for being 2003 or whatever year that was, you know, yeah. for, for the third season of Enterprise, I mean, that's a, a, a concept that they really hadn't done on Star Trek. Right. Was, I mean, focusing on a, a, spe- a, a, a multi-species planet like that. Right. There, there had been multi-species planet. We can talk about some of those. But um. But that's something that they really hadn't that and focused on, and the way they did with the Zendi, and I thought that was a really cool new thing for Star Trek at that time. Right, exactly. The closest. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Veronica. Well, I was going to say every other time there's been multiple sentient species in the same planet, it they've always been warring and not one always of them the same, slaving the other, and that seemed to be a no? theme. I've got some examples, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the trill. That's right. That's why that was one that I had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles, you said something earlier, which is interesting. And I think it's something that came through. And I remember this way back when I watched Enterprise and Alan said it too. Somehow they managed to write those species, even though they had differences. And as you start looking at the end of the Zindi arc, you see some of those differences come to the fore. They wrote those people where they interacted with each other as normally as people on the enterprise interacted mm. with each other. There wasn't yeah. like a whole bunch of insectoids, this and aquatics, that not really because they were, well, one, they were fighting a common goal because the sphere builders had, you know, basically fooled them. Mm. But yeah, the way they all interacted with each other, it seemed, it was so normal to them. And that, and that takes a lot not to, and I think they had just the right amount of an arboreal would say something about insectoids. So every now and then they would say, well, reptilians are not known for their patience and so forth. But right. they did it just right. It was the right balance where it seemed utterly normal for them yeah. to be those yeah. different yeah. species. That's right. a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I want to say also, from not, not from a story perspective, but from mm-hmm. a design perspective, they were so incredibly well thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything about these uh, various creatures were really, really thought out and, mm-hmm. and designed really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, I agree with what you were saying. Like, I it, it would have been a cool twist if like the insectoids had come to the humans and saying that the humanoids are yeah, like we've, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah. That that that's something they sort of play into your our natural prejudices there that the yeah. insects and the reptilians are are the evil ones, <laughs> you right. know? Right. But right. um, but yeah, I thought it was a nice touch in Discovery. You know that episode they had where the the, the council was talking. Mm-hmm. And they're all voting in that kind of thing in season four. Yep. And there was a Zindi insectoid in there. And with a little Zindi logo and stuff, like as a, one of the vote on one of the That's people right. who were voting on things. What? Yeah. Yeah. There was a Zindi mixed in. I remember and us discussing that. Now yeah. I have to go watch that episode again. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. For one, I like that episode a lot. But I thought that was yes. cool that the Zindi, you know, a thousand years after Enterprise are part of the Federation. You know, I thought that was neat. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. So I can't wait till we get to actually talk about the season and about the story arc. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, we've just for Veronica, it's a, a first time watch for me. It's a rewatch, but I think, I yeah. think we've got a gap 
between Prodigy and Picard. And I think that we need to we make, a, make a goal to I talk so. about season three of Enterprise. I agree. Um, because oh, I think that's a, that's a, it's a cool arc. And I think that we yeah. need a little more time than what we'll have for tonight to do that. Oh, 100%. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I was looking through some examples of other species in Star Trek, yeah. other planets that have multiple species. And, like there's that planet. Uh, well, the the mink and the Volonkians. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And then that planet that Chakotay sort of got drafted into a war. Yeah. Nemesis, maybe, where it was like sort of the the guys who oh, yeah. like um, Nausicans were fighting, mm-hmm. yes. were fighting the other guys. You know what I mean? Like there's yep. been a few examples in Star Trek over the years of just different multi-species planets. Yes. And like I said, I mean, if the Voth had stayed on Earth and then we, we had the, the Beluga Whales mm-hmm. had been more of a, a character on the show before Lower Decks. I mean, Earth isn't that dissimilar from Zendus. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it actually makes sense. I would like to see more of the Voth and and know what happened to them and how they've developed. And I love the Voth. That's got to be that's perfect. Like Prodigy's got to bring them back. That's a perfect Prodigy species. Yes. They're. I mean, it's a. They're. They're space dinosaurs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And who's not going to love that? Right. And they're so freaking powerful and advanced. Because remember, they had a quantum slipstream where they were traveling. What would take Voyager months to travel in hours. Right. And right. they also, I never forget the scene where they literally teleported the entire Voyager inside their city ship. I mean, mm. they're literally one of the most powerful races we've seen who aren't, you know, don't have like Q type powers. Technologically, they're one of the most advanced mm-hmm. species we've ever seen in all the Trek. I right. love the Voth. Yeah. Elaine requests that we wait to do an Enterprise season three recap until she's watched it. Well, well, get on it, Elaine. Yep. Right. You, you've got <laughs> you, you've got our timeline. You know where yeah. we're going to do it. Hurry in up. fact, <laughs> in, in that break between shows, we could even do it as a two parter, like yeah. do like do an episode on the first half of the season. And then like four weeks later, do one on the conclusion of the season. Yeah. Because we're talking about a story arc that goes over like 20, 22, yeah, 24 yeah. episodes. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we can certainly do a, like a multi-part special on it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. No, no pressure, Elaine, but come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, set aside everything else and just watch that now and then come back to the other stuff. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, like, we didn't, we found out about the Zendi on Enterprise, which was made after the 24th century shows, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, where do you think the Zendi would be? Like, how would they play into the politics of like next gen DS9 and Voyager? Hmm. <laughs> challenge accepted I, she says yep i think they would have to be very important because you do have five species which sure. is incredible i mean they're always asking you know i remember in the, the episode patterns of force which is the the nazi one from the original series i remember at the end of the show spock said with the unification or whatever of two planets this this system would be a fine addition to the federation so imagine mm. a, a planet of five species which have absolutely unique contributions. Again, with the with the aquatics and their abilities and the reptilians are a little more warlike. Well, you can always use soldiers and there's a way they think. So I think I would think that they would be a really important species in the Federation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I got a question. I got a question. All right. Dominion War. Which side is Zindi on? That's what oh. I was just going to say. Stop <laughs> reading my mind, man. I mean, and we uh. think it would be super interesting if they divided. Right. You know, yeah. if like, I mean, uh, the obvious division is that the, the bugs and the 
insects go with the dominion and the people and the sloths go with us, mm -hmm. us. Right. Um, but I think that would be really interesting because then you've got the whales who are like stuck in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really, I, really I say flip it. The, the insectoids I do too. and the reptilians team up with the alpha quadrant. But you'd have to give them a good reason because we've okay. already seen them divided that way. Yeah. In the way that I described. So you, there has to be a good in-story reason for them to sort of swap places. And I think that would be super interesting. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, and apologies to Veronica and Elaine. This is not a major spoiler, but the insectoids are not natively evil because they, again, I won't spoil it, but you find out they do think mm. and they can change their positions if they really look at what's going on. But I won't, I won't spoil it's that. It's a spoiler. Keith, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I, just I, say they're. I personally they're not, will not remember any of this when I'm watching. <laughs> so uh, I'm okay. fine. <laughs> but let's just say, given a good reason, yeah, you could see the insectoids being on the side of the Federation in the Alpha Quadrant yeah. uh, yeah. right. easily. Right. Um, yeah. See, now I really want to see an episode where, like, the Beluga whales from Lower Decks and the Zindi Aquatics have like a oh team up God. of some kind. Yes, yes. that's a, like a but, great yes. episode right there. So, or from what they, you're saying. Amazing. Are we saying that no one has ever written any books or anything about the Zindi in all the years? That, I'm sure. That, they, I'm, yeah, I'm I sure that they may have, but not that I've heard of. Wow. I'm sure the Zindi are featured in some kind of books. That would be good because I never even thought about that until you said it. it they, they should absolutely be plugged into the time of um, Next Generation of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Absolutely yeah, should right. be plugged yeah. into that. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see <laughs> Matt. Like, one of the either the in the novels or and you know one of the like the comic book company do its own mini series that tell that basically retells the dominion from the zindi point of view just yeah. to see what they did and how they were involved and in what way that'd be right. so fun yeah 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 you could write so much because you could write there's a whole thing you could discuss about what goes on on the zindi planet once they realize yeah. what happened with the sphere builders and once they realize what the reptilians almost led them to do yeah uh, so there's a whole conversation there about what's the reptilian status like yeah right because of yeah. what happened there yeah maybe they lose status maybe yeah, yeah. you see matt sweatman's comment there yeah <laughs> Matt, you got to binge it all during the holidays. So you'll like binging Enterprise, Matt. Um, I love the series. Yeah, Keith well, promises. <laughs> Keith, money back guarantee for Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think the Zindi are are, are a cool species, and I, it's something I'd like to see more in Star Trek. Is yeah. right. Yeah, and like, like I mean, Keith, you sort of indicated earlier with the octopus octopus thing is i mean we're becoming more so more aware of sort of our human centric view of biology right. on earth for right. instance and like what is sentience and i heard um i mean uh, like a, a biologist one time in one of his books wrote that i mean we pass all the tests for sentience and we because we made all the tests <laughs> right <laughs> you know exactly. what i mean <laughs> you know exactly um yeah so i mean there's there's some argument for like what what level of intelligence is needed and what, what does it mean to be sentient? And I think that's something that Star Trek should continue to explore because I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah. absolutely possible, uh, Charles, what you're saying again, because the, the species looks so different on our planet, insects and fish and dogs and snakes and humans, we look so different. But if you go back far enough in time, one thing, for example, I was watching a, a nature show about recently, 
our eyes are the same, which is strange. Pretty much every creature on the face of the earth that has eyes, whether it's an insect or a human, they all kind of come from the same source, even mm-hmm. though we look so incredibly differently. They come from the same genetic um, thing back in the, I think yeah. it was the Devonian era. So that's pretty wild if you think about it. Pretty much every creature on earth with eyes has pretty much the same kind of eyes. And you could even do experiments where you can take the genes that create eyes in humans, and they've done this, and you can inject it into certain animals that don't have eyes or don't have eyes in certain places, and they will grow eyes because it's still pretty much the same kind of genetic structure. But then look how different the shells around the eyes are. Yeah, that's, so, that's the beginning of an Outer Limits episode right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I can see you. <laughs> Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing for them to to explore. I know that like one of the original Star Trek, like when when Gene Rodman was pitching Star Trek and he wrote Mm -hmm. sort of a premise for several like five or six different episodes. Right. And some of them got made and some of them didn't. One of the ones that didn't get made was because Star Trek was sort of a Western in space. And it was like Mm -hmm. this planet of colonists. They were basically cattle drivers, but the cattle, it turned out, were sentient. And that was the like the, the sci-fi story of it. And that oh. story never got made. But um, that's that's one I think would have fit right in. I think that's sort of yeah. right up Star Trek's alley that mm-hmm. what we think of as sentient species isn't necessarily a sentient species. That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 And, and Trek always explores the thing of people that could be about beyond us or above us think we're not sentient, which is always a weird concept to me. Right. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And that's <laughs> happened on Star Trek before. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So any more, uh, any closing thoughts about the Zindi before we move on to the latest episode of Prodigy? You have made me want to see more Zindi now because I hadn't really thought about the fact that they didn't uh, show up in any of the next generation stuff because they couldn't. But I really would like to now see if they're in any fiction because they're a really great species. Well, if you want to see more Zindi, then you should watch this week's episode of Prodigy. (laughs) Good segue. Yeah. Well, on that note, Veronica, you want to throw out a spoiler warning for us? (laughs) Now that Alan's already ruined it. (laughs) Right. Boop. 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 Spoilers. Hey, great job. Great job. (laughs) I like that. I like that semi truck backing up. Yeah. Right. Deliver our spoilers. I was thinking more of a like a warning in space where it just goes. I know. (laughs) <laughs> I know, like a beacon, like a yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I get you, like the valiant, like the valiant marker buoy that they found right. in where no man has gone before. Right. Wow. Okay. Wow. Boy, did you, did, <laughs> I was, did you did you do a deep dive? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> well, awesome. yeah. So this this week, I I um me the guy on the podcast who doesn't like Enterprise that much <laughs> suddenly became very intent on doing a Zindi episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I caught I, I caught a glimpse of this, of a Zindi insectoid or a Zindi reptilian in one of the promo shots. I didn't want to spoil you guys, but all of a sudden I was very insistent oh, we should do a Zindi episode. Up. Right. <laughs> so I mean the Zindi were back this week in some capacity. What did what did you think of the Zindi's return to Star Trek after all these years? I was so excited. Right. <laughs> like, I, I know that you guys get up super early and watch it, and I get up half an hour n- earlier than I normally would. So as soon as they came on screen, I grabbed my phone and I was texting Chuck. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Cindy. <laughs> I know. I was at my desk and I was like, I know. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude. And we had right, only just desk. decided no, to do like, a Zindi discussion for no reason. <laughs> what a right. coincidence. I know. I was like, dude. Why are we getting feedback? We're that getting, was me. Getting... Sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> I had two devices and somehow they both came up. Apologize. 
You're going to have a Doctor Who one time. Time. Skip the groove. <laughs> what? What? I don't know what's happening. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I thought they, they looked great. I thought they were used well. It's interesting to see the Zindi in the next-gen era of Star Trek. Yes. That 20th yes. century era. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the, the great thing that these new shows can do is just mix in stuff, you know, because the Zindi mm-hmm. would be there, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So in, in this case, the Zindi are in this um this barren like outpost <laughs> out like out in the middle of no place. You know, right. like that like this this far off sort of like um most icely kind of a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what do we think of the episode this week? What did you guys how did you guys like prodigy this week? My Man. favorite part was when Rock was like, you all met Starfleet and not none of you <laughs> told them about the deadly weapon. That was Thank my you. thought as well. What we're all my thought as well. Right. Yeah. Like, why don't you say, hey, we didn't steal your ship, but it has a terrible thing and this terrible thing happened. And why isn't that the first thing out of your mouth? Right. Okay, I'm glad right. we're all thinking this because that was that was the one takeaway that frustrated me about the show because it's like the it's like those shows you watch where there's a man and a woman or two people who should are in love and just when one's gonna tell them I love you, they find him kissing somebody else. Cause I was the same way. I was like, one of them, like doll, he literally could say, Captain J Wade, listen, we didn't finish up and blah 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 and blah blah. And this it was it could have been that quick, but instead they kept they kept they kept finding ways to make them not do it. And that, that frustrated the heck out of me. The funny thing is that Jankum Pog literally started to say the words yeah. <laughs> and then got distracted, and, right. which I think is Biden's hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, I, I thought Tellerites lived by insults. I thought that the insult was just more honest. He shouldn't have really been so pushed up, so uh, taken aback, but, should he? Well, he's, I mean, he I wasn't guess, raised by, he, he doesn't know. Well, I guess his instinct too probably is to argue yeah. back. You know, yeah, true. you've yeah. been insulted. You got to insult him right back. You know, you keep arguing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just think I, I thought like, he should have stayed. Yeah, I like the little insight that Pog is a name they give to runts. Yeah, because Jacob Pog is short. Right. Yeah. Like you look at him on the holodeck episode, and it's compared yeah. to a human, he's like up to your waist. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. But I, I thought it was cool seeing the two Tellerite characters meet up, and I mm-hmm. thought it was cool that I I, I love that the the Janeway crew part of the episode part of the the storyline that's going on and the mm-hmm. Prodigy crew really crossed over this week. Yeah. I do you know? too. Yeah. And for me, the coolest thing about this episode is those Starfleet overcoats they were wearing. I can't believe you got that too. I wrote that yeah. too. And they had the hoods and the gloves. Can I order that? I need Dude, one. Awesome. <laughs> right? Yes. Those are the best things I've seen since the Picardigan. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were awesome looking. I, I literally yeah. wrote down, these are awesome uniforms with the hoods. And, and then even when they were back on the ship, they had the gloves and stuff like that. It, it's, right. like they took, it's like they took the dress uniforms from TNG mm-hmm. and turned them into functional away mission uniforms yeah, or something. Yeah, which uh, makes perfect awesome. sense. You're going to an ice planet. You wouldn't wear your regular jumpsuit. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you would wear like a Starfleet overcoat of some kind. And I'm just saying, if they sold those Starfleet overcoats with the hoods, I would buy one right away. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Those were great. I actually thought I was extremely frustrated by how they could not. Well, but this because they want to keep the plot going, right? I was like you said, Veronica. I was extremely frustrated how nobody could literally just blurt out, you know, Captain Janeway, don't arrest me, blah 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 blah. But it was still yeah. a good show. I still enjoyed the show because, um, and, and you also said something, Charles. I don't think I expected Janeway, the the quote unquote real Janeway, to be this involved in the series, and I'm right. loving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elaine thinks that they just got intimidated because they are still kids after mm. all. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. true. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And I mean, like you're talking about Janeway being involved in the show. I mean, I didn't expect the show to be like a secret sequel to Voyager <laughs> when it started. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, this is a great sequel to Voyager where now Janeway is a vice admiral. They, they're always stressed the vice admiral thing, which is weird to me, but she's a vice mm-hmm. admiral. Mm-hmm. In charge of a ship, in command mm-hmm. of a ship, looking for Chakotay and hunting these characters, and I love it. It's like a, like a, a, a direct sequel to Star Trek Voyager, which is a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, Veronica, what did you think of it this week? I'm really interested to see how Janeway is going to process things because she hasn't really fully processed that they're kids, mm. and this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's still, I think that's hit her, obviously, because mm-hmm. she said mm-hmm. it. Yes. Um, but I don't think she's fully processed it. And she's still in the mindset of these people destroyed a starship station. These people did something to Dakotay. Right. Um, and I feel like some of the episodes moving forward, she's going to start putting some pieces together. Mm. Yeah. I feel totally like Janeway is going to be the one that reaches out to them and makes the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because she's going right. to be the one that figures it out. It's not going to be them making it to Starfleet because they're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> because they're well, kids. <laughs> right. And she's doing that Star Trek captain thing right now where every Star Trek captain at some mm. point gets a little too obsessed. You yeah. Know? Every, yeah. Every Star Trek captain we know has had their I'm a little too obsessed episodes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's, that's where Janeway is right now where she's a little too obsessed. But I think, yeah, she's she's I think ultimately she's going to figure out what's going on. And oh, yes take mercy on these kids. I think that uh, when recognizing in this episode that they are kids, I think that's Mm -hmm. the linchpin of the whole thing, but Mm -hmm. you know, she may be in her obsessed mode, but she's much more calm about it than we've seen other captains who have been obsessed. And even Janeway herself, who has had her obsession moments in Voyager, this is, this is pretty level headed for her (laughs) in that mode. Yeah. I love that moment when she said, they're here. Yeah. That was just a great, like a very like yeah. Star Trek episode moment, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Matt says, I'm hoping Janeway seeing they're just kids, she softens her stance towards them. Oh, I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that's she what's going to. Yeah. Yeah. They'll they'll figure something out. I, I mean, I expect that like the Janeway after the kids thing's going to last about this, this 10 episode stretch. And then there'll be mm-hmm. some other twist on it. Right for the next ten episodes, straight. They seem to be structuring the show like ten, ten episode little story arcs. Um, well, it's interesting because you know the first half was done in five episode blocks, and this mm-hmm. one seems like it's it's coming to a uh, sort of a peak yeah. next week's episode, which is number fifteen. So, if mm-hmm. you were going to divide another five and five, this would be a good like cliffhanger kind of thing. But obviously, we're getting all ten in in one stretch, so. I don't yeah. know. I don't, well, that's a good I point. Just, yeah. I was just thinking, mm-hmm. this seems like the next to the last episode, right. you know, before yeah. a big, big moment. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, what so did y'all think about uh, Okana? I was just gonna say this. <laughs> I know. I I I loved Okana. I thought he was yeah. great. That he yeah. felt very much like the same guy from yeah. Next Gen, where he's sort of this like two bit Han Solo. You know, he's yeah. like the Han Solo you get at the dollar store. You know, <laughs> if you order Han Solo from Wish, right? He I love Billy Campbell. Yeah. I love yeah. Billy Campbell. That's literally one of my least favorite TNG episodes. I was like, eh. well, it was a right. crappy episode, but the yeah. character is yeah. cool. The character. Yeah, well, he yeah, thinks yeah. it was a crappy episode too, and he thinks he wasn't very good. I read an interview with him where he was like, "Great, yeah, bring him back and let's try really? again." You know, let's, ah, let's give me another chance at it. Right, um, absolutely. And I, I mean, but to be fair, in season one and two of Next Gen, everybody was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. So it's not his fault that there's a no. bad character, you know. But um, right. Yeah, I, 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 I love seeing him back. You know, it's what is like 18 years after his last appearance in in universe. Right. It would be mm-hmm. about 18 years to where we are now. And I love that he's he's still out there and he's he's so proud of his ship that can go to warp four. Four. You know? <laughs> yeah. That was great. I, I love Jankum considering himself royalty where he has a certain speed he has to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Matt Sweatman says he didn't realize it was Billy Campbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got him yes. back. Yes. Uh, which Matt- is great. Why wouldn't you? You know, he's 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 a fantastic yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Matt, you and Matt, you may realize also the trivia thing is that Billy Campbell was also in the running to play Riker. Mm-hmm. And that's who he auditioned and, for. And he was the Rocketeer, and he was on the forty-four hundred. That's right. That's yep. True. <laughs> yep. But He's more importantly, leader. he was he was in a really good drama series called um, Once and Again with Celia Ward. That okay. was really good. Nice. Yeah. Should look it up. Good show. Okay. About middle-aged people falling in love. Oh, that doesn't sound more important to me. That doesn't sound more important than Okana. Did he have or, a rocket pack in that episode? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. I liked the the little action, a little like bringing the plots forward and moving. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I love the scenes with the Starfleet crew on the planet. I love yeah. the Hellerite oh. guys meeting. You know, I just I thought this was just all all around. It was just really it was well a, done. Yeah, it was an action packed episode. It was. And Charles, you. So go ahead, Alan. I was gonna say, and it was a really good one for it. Felt very Star Trekky because yeah. you have all of the races yeah. that make up the two crews. You get Klingons, you get Zindi, you get some other guys at the end. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much of like all of Star Trek represented on this mm-hmm. one planet, and I thought it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And Charles, to the discussion about the Zindi being integrated into the thing, they're obviously well known because uh, Okana says they're sp- the sp- they're spicier than usual. So obviously, the reptilians have a reputation like Nausicans and others for just being mm-hmm. kind of yeah. uh, aggressive. Yeah. So they're obviously yeah. not an uncommon sight. Right. And I thought that I mean, it still feels very much like they're on the fringes of Federation space, which I think works yeah. very well for the story. You know, right. like if if they were at like Andor this week it would it would yeah. seem strange you know i think but i think this sort of being on these sort of fringe outposts and they're, yeah. they're skirting the edges of federation space i think it works very well yeah. right and, um i mean what do we think of what hatched out what do we think of murph the murph what are they calling it the the metamorphosis there was a uh, live video you could watch on twitter where you could watch the egg <laughs> like oh, really? Oh, really? in a hatch i think it was probably a loop but they had a t- little twitter thing for that how funny interesting <laughs> Yeah, it's like a countdown to the episode. So what what do we think of the metamorphosis? What do we think of what hatched out of, of, of the cocoon? Mm, don't really think anything of it yet. <laughs> yeah. 
I was a little what... disappointed that it was humanoid. Me too. So I mean, maybe he's just emulating the human. He's around a lot of humanoids. That's my guess. But I'm hopeful that Murph will get weirder. If Murph is just a humanoid from here on out, I'd be a little bit disappointed about that because I would like yeah. Murph to continue to be very strange. You know, well, me too. Hollow Janeway said something like, I'm expecting big things out of you or something like that. So I always wonder if that was some weird foreshadowing to, to, to what you're saying. Like Murph may morph into something even stranger. Well, I hope so. I, ho- I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like kind of like the, the, the Groot of this show. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I thought okay. that was pretty cool. Matt says... I do kind of wish O'Connor was still with the Terry Hatcher crew person from TNG. That would have been a good gag. That's true. I would love to have seen her back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a peak. Mo- I don't know what the hell that means. And Elaine says that she loved the new Murph, but yes, I would love to see the weird in them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then they could always bring back like Captain Terry Hatcher to cross yes. paths with Okana. That would be yes. that would be cool, I think. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. Well, we That'll also nice. at, the, at the end of the episode, they they sort of warped to to Romulan space. Yes. So it looks like we're getting some Romulan action. I I'm I'm here for it. Right. I'm ready for some Romulans. Come yeah. on, man. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I yeah. thought that the, the first off, my, my first thought was the Romulan Warbirds looked really cool. Yes, they, they, they did. did. Mm-hmm. They, they do perfect starships on this show with yes. yeah. the Ferengi Marauder, now the Romulan warship. Like they, they just recreate yep. them wonderfully. But my first, like, I was thinking, like, they're on the edge of the neutral zone, and this Romulan warbird shows up. She's like, "Don't you enter the neutral? Zone. Like, you're in the freaking neutral zone right now." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hypocrite. Yep. Exactly. That seems to happen a lot with the Romulans. Right. They show up. You can see their <laughs> ship, and they're like, if you enter, enter the neutral zone, it's war. I was like, well, where are you at? Yep. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because they yeah. also own the neutral zone. Huh? Because they think they also own the, own right. the neutral Right. Yeah. Zone. They, yeah. But um, I'm, I'm excited for more Romulan action. I think we're getting more Romulans next week. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. 100%. I'm, yeah. I'm always down for Romulans. They, I still don't think the Romulans have ever really gotten the proper full treatment they needed in Star Trek history. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm always down with the season Romulans. Yeah. And this is before the Romulan star, star went supernova. Yeah. So the yes. Romulans are still just the empire. They're still the, the height of their powers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Matt speculates that Murph hmm. is slowly morphing into Chakotay. <laughs> 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 okay. Maybe. <laughs> Anything can happen. It's Star Trek. Right. Hey, you never know. You never right. know. So where are we at in the season? You said next week is episode five of this new batch, right? Correct. So that's 15 of the season. Right. Correct. So we should have five, six, seven, eight, nine, six weeks left. Six Am weeks I... left. Okay. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So, I mean, what are we looking, what, what are you guys looking forward to? What are, you, what are you expecting to see from the rest of the season? Well, in this episode, we finally start to see these variant story arcs start to like merge together. Mm-hmm. So, right. all these pieces that they've been like laying out on their little chessboard are finally converging. And what I'm looking forward to most is seeing how, lo- well, first of all, how long they're going to draw this out with. Janeway chasing the kids before some 
understanding is 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 achieved or some you know resolution is got but right. i also am really interested well there are two things one i'm interested to see how this whole thing is going to play out with uh the diviner you know and since yeah. he is on janeway's ship i'm really wanting to know how that's going to play out and i'm still super curious why dreadnought is continuously listed in the closing credits Right. And what he's doing and where is he? Is he one of those crew persons? I, I don't know. Mm. Like he's like he's infiltrated somehow and he's I don't know. I'm excited maybe though. Dreadnought is the device. Oh, that oh. makes sense. Yeah, maybe. That totally makes sense. Uh, I think Veronica has cracked it. <laughs> right. Like how never the hell did we not think that. about this? <laughs> good job, Veronica. Hey, look that's at me. Good, that's good speculation. I never thought of that. I know. Yeah. That, well, and I think point. I think I didn't think of it because it, the the act, the voice actor is credited, and mm-hmm. so far the device hasn't said anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, know. it could just be that he's contracted for the season. I don't know. That's possible. I mean, he could be doing supplementary voices, but it could just be that his because he's he's a he's a, a fairly well known actor. So maybe yeah. his agent negotiated a deal where he's credited for the season. But I, yeah. I would like to see him come back. I, I, I thought that oh, was an will. interesting character, and I'd like to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the yeah. Diviner storyline. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. anxious to see whether, whether he becomes his old self again. Like, how much oh. does he remember? You know, right after right. you know, um, Zero broke his brain. Right. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. not didn't break it that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gwen was pretty shocked to find out that he's still out there, mm-hmm. or that he's out there looking for. Her, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Do we know at all? Sorry, for what you're saying. Do you know at all if they if they if they plan to wrap up the storyline in this one season or no? I, Nobody I knows hope they anything. do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they wrap it up in one season because I think a 20 arc uh, episode arc would be really nice. And six episodes, yeah. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that was that many to go. That's a that's a lot of time to really tell a good story and bring it to a satisfying conclusion. Totally. Yeah, they're totally. doing a good job of. You've got a few episodes with this sort of mm-hmm. story arc, and then it takes a twist. And then mm-hmm. you got a few more episodes, it takes a twist. You know what I mean? Like they keep yeah. giving it little twists. So, yeah, I mean, Alan, you're right. You're, it might be next week that we get another little twist in the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm interested to see what that is. Cause I mean, they've got a pretty fast ship where they could, I mean, I'd love it if they just cranked it up to full throttle and then like there's a Dominion warship, <laughs> you know, like you can cross <laughs> into the Dominion space. I'd love to see a Jim Hadar pop out, you know? Oh. Yes. Like they can do whatever yes. they want. They're like sort of prime mm-hmm. Star Trek time and they seem willing to use the universe, you know, right. which is a fun thing. They're telling their own story with their yeah. own characters, their own design sensibilities and so forth, but still using the Star Trek universe, using the old designs, using the old character designs, mm-hmm. using the old species designs, sort of mixing it. And I, I love that. I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked. I mean, I was just thinking about this this week that like the Star Trek cartoons are the shows that I'm enjoying the most right now, <laughs> yes. you know? But I like the way that they have done it because it mm-hmm. starts out as totally its own thing. And right. very gradually over the past 14 episodes, they've introduced more and more yeah. traditional Star Trek stuff. Right. And I think yeah. it's it's been for a new viewer or for a young person who's, you know, like this is their first thing. This is the perfect exposure. It's the perfect yeah. like launching point. Right. Yeah. And I remember the first episode or two, and I was I was saying. It yeah. doesn't feel that Star Trek-y. It feels more Star Wars-y. 
Yep. And now they're like with Okana being chased by Zindi and Captain Janeway. <laughs> and they're running yeah. into Romulans. You know what I mean? It's like Star Trek overload. So I think they're, exactly. doing, they're doing a great job of bringing those, those ideas together, you know? Right. Yeah. And so I was right. missing the technology. And I, I made a note of one thing was uh, Jankum, or I think it was Jankum, they talked about um, Janeway's ship being quantum slipstream powered. Yeah. Now, from Voyager, that was the technology that they couldn't master. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, that was the technology in the famous, well, the famous, the really well-received um, Voyager episode, Timeless, where mm-hmm. they use right. the slipstream and things go bad. Um, right. So I'm very interested about, they obviously don't have it at full whatever, because with a quantum slipstream, the protostar can't get away. There's just no way. That thing is way too fast. But I find it interesting that that technology is now integrated in the Starfleet ships. Yeah. Well, I mean, you notice that the Dauntless is based on the Dauntless ship they found mm-hmm. in that episode. Uh, with the Dauntless, mm. the one that precedes the Timeless episode. Yeah. Where, yep. I mean, they, they used a very similar design. They've added Starfleet tech to it with cells and everything. The, yeah. It was like the original NX-01 that was on Star Trek. You know, mm-hmm. it was like yeah. NX-01A. And then they used the same bridge design, and that ship was called the Dauntless. The one, the, mm-hmm. the one that Ray Weiss with the big head was captaining you know oh that was a great app yeah yeah but i mean that it was, was based directly on that where they're using i love that they're using technology that voyager encountered in the delta quadrant mm-hmm. yeah that's one of the things that you, everyone always wondered when they came back they came back with like board plating and and oh yeah you know all kind of crazy technology they found like i love that starfleet's incorporating that into the designs and stuff oh, and i imagine totally there's some kind of trade-off where they it's not gone fleet-wide because we know that by the time of like discovery in the future it's not fleet wide so i'm interested to see how that plays out yeah well, did, was it who was it just recently was it lower decks or was it this show that said some of the tech that janeway brought back was basically not used because of the future janeway and the whole time thing there was there was there was some yeah i i, thought, I just heard that i thought i heard it on lower decks or maybe i read it but they did say that because of the whole thing with the end of the voyager series because future Janeway came back that some of the technology they wouldn't use because it was a temporal violation, which I think is kind of silly. So, yeah. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that at I all. I absolutely either. remember that from the last two weeks. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to find where I got it. I must have read that then. I think you're I, dreaming I, that. <laughs> I got to look this up. <laughs> where did I do that? Okay, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, all anybody right. have any closing thoughts about Prodigy this week before we wrap it up? I thought it was fantastic. It yeah. was action packed. It's bringing all the variant storylines together. Man, I felt like it was a lot of forward momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. Good episode. Kept me engaged the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Well, next week we're going to be live again, same time, Thursday, eight PM Eastern, and we're and we're talking about doing a Romulan episode since the yes. Romulans are are back. So, so I mean, the so we we always sort of spring this on people, but if people want to get prepared and and come to the conversation with their own ideas, like what what do we want to talk about? We're talking about our favorite Romulans. We're talking about just Romulan culture in general. Any thoughts? I think both. I think favorite Romulan yeah. episodes. In what episode were the Romulans best portrayed? All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So watch The Defector before next week <laughs> is yes. the moral of the story. Yes. <laughs> That's a great episode. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Of terror. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So many good ones. Mm. All right. So, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, okay. You could go to cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com, and then you can see it's a jumping point from there to all of my various podcasts. The Alan-verse. The Alan-verse. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And how about you, Keith? You can find me on the standard social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. 
And, oh, and I win. Yeah, Veronica gets said. a point from Matt. Yeah, yeah that was a great dreadnought one. Speculation for the dreadnought. Job. I got Excellent. no points from Matt this week. I'm taking that personally, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Veronica, you and you and I have some big things coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first off, we've got a, a very special episode of Monkeying Around that's coming out as we're recording this tomorrow. So if you're listening to this tomorrow, it's out today. Where yeah, there's there's this, there's this new monkeys headquarters super deluxe edition out right yeah and our friend derek minor is one of like the world experts on monkey monkey mixology and he invited us over because he had the the the, the set already so we've already listened to it and oh. we recorded an episode with derek minor and craig smith and these guys are working on sort of the authoritative book on monkeys mixography holy shit different I mean, holy versions crap. right and so we we had a great discussion with them about their work and what they're doing also the new monkeys headquarters super deluxe edition before it's even out it comes out tomorrow it's like shipping now people haven't even received it yet so we we had a great time with them and that episode should be out tomorrow um and our friend elaine who's with us here tonight in the comments is on that episode as well we all, we all had a great time yeah um wow. but also as far as felt nerdy goes um and i'm sorry for sort of taking over the, That's okay. <laughs> the thing but Coming up the, the weekend of December 10th and 11th, um, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary of being Felt Nerdy. Our wow. first performance on stage together with puppets as Felt Nerdy was at the Holiday Puck and Puppet Show in December of 2012. Or 2012. And then now, this year, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary at the, the Holiday Puck and Puppet Show. It will be December the 10th. And it's a big night for us. We're doing more than we usually do at the show. We're sort of bringing sort of a collection of our favorite routines we've done at the Holiday Puck and Puppet Shows over the years. It's our favorite puppet show that we do every year. And so we're going to be doing a, a, a big celebration for our 10 years as Felt Nerdy. And then on December the 11th, we've been invited back to the uh, Sinful Sundays Variety Show. So we'll be doing another burlesque performance there. And so it's a big weekend, December 10th and 11th. So I'd love it if folks came out and celebrated with us. That's nice. super cool. Yeah. Really, really awesome. I didn't realize it's been 10 years. I know. I didn't either. <laughs> it flies. You know, you know, so funny. I, you know, the reason I didn't realize that because when we first met you guys, I was going to say something like, have you ever been to the Center for Puppetry Arts? <laughs> we have. We have. That's the first yeah. thing anyone says when we were like, yeah, we do puppets. Right. Have you been to yeah. the Center? Mm, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Veronica, do you have a closing for us this week? I thought we were escaping to a ship. Don't worry. We're on it. Great. Was that from the episode? Yes. Hey, awesome. Then. <laughs> I don't know if you're just free freestyling or if that was from Star Trek. I love it. <laughs> no, I quoted Okada and Dom. Oh, that's right. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.